You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Knowing Motherhood. As the intro always states, it's truly a joy and an honor that you would allow me to be a part of your day. Though the podcast has been more of a monthly than a weekly um, event so far this year due to the pandemic. The number of listeners that are coming through each month really propels me on, even in moments of discouragement. And I'm just so thankful to walk alongside you in your motherhood journey. I really am. If you're new here, an extra big welcome to you. Thanks so much for being here. Don't forget to um, click on the subscribe button so that you get notifications when new episodes are available. I'm looking forward to sharing today's episode with you. This is the first time that I've had a relative joining me here on Knowing Motherhood. Jana Sinan is my cousin-in-law. She's a mom of three kids, ages 8, 10, and 13, and she's a registered nurse, a hardworking rancher's wife, and she's a woman and friend that I personally admire very much. She is, in my opinion, a unique combination of incredible gentleness and as close to fearless as one can get. Today on the podcast, she is sharing her family's story of receiving a very difficult diagnosis for their youngest son, Sawyer, when he was only halfway, or when she was only halfway through her pregnancy. Sawyer was given a diagnosis of heterotaxy syndrome, and he faced heart failure, surgery, and many other challenges upon birth. Their journey has not been easy, but as Jana shares, you're going to hear the very apparent peace that actively living out their faith in God has given them. Here's our conversation. Hey, Jana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Well, we have to let the listeners know that we are actually re-recording because we had a major technical issue come up with the first one. So thanks so much for being willing to do this again. Absolutely. It's great. I look forward to sharing Sawyer's story. Yeah, I know. And it was so wonderful to talk with you the first time. I feel like even though we're cousins-in-law, oh my goodness, I say that wrong every time. Cousin-in-laws. Is there an easier way to say that? <laughs> I don't know. It's, Anyways, because we are related, um, I feel like I knew quite a bit about your story before because we were pregnant around the same time with our boys. Um, but I, it was really fun to hear it. So I'm looking forward to hearing again um, because there's so much to this and it's a really incredible Um, thing that you guys have walked through with Sawyer. But before we start talking about his story, um, do you want to share a little bit about yourself and your family and what a normal week looks like for you guys currently? Well, we live in the small town of Houston, not Texas, Houston, BC, Mm -hmm. and we live outside of it. Um, So we're rural. And two years ago, we became ranchers. So we took over a family ranch 
and that's incidentally where you're from so it's all new to me mm-hmm. but um we've lived on the farm we just didn't own the farm part for about 10 years and now we are we are we care for many different animals um up until about a week ago we were we were milking our cow we were we've calved out uh, a small herd uh, we recently got a horse. We've got chickens, and it's just wonderful. We're living uh, that existence, and John is still logging, and I'm still nursing, uh, kind of because it isn't possible all the time to make a total living off of farming. And mm-hmm. yeah, we've had the blessing of having our three kids home during this pandemic, and um, we've just been doing. Uh, mornings where we commit a couple hours to school and then it's chores and and uh, a regroup at lunchtime and plan our next chore for the afternoon and and you sleep really well by the end of a day so that's our that's our normal if you can call that normal but uh, every day is slightly different and it's it's wonderful and you're a new mom to a teenager aren't you Yes, that's been a journey in itself, but there's two of them on the farm, so at least they have each other, right? So we've got a a cousin down the road who's also a teenager. They're very close in age, so uh, they're doing 4-H together, and uh, I think that uh, we're going to navigate those years with it really well. I can, I'm hopeful. It's, it's been fun watching them, yeah, become so... Yeah, grown up in the last couple months with their steers and stuff. It's been fun to watch. I think that's so wonderful for kids to learn responsibility in that way. And it's just something that keeps them outside and really focused and stuff. So I think that's so great. What an awesome upbringing that we had or I did with our cousins up there. And now to see my nieces and nephews getting to do that too. It's so awesome. Um, what do chores look like for you guys? Like, what do you, okay, so you're, you guys have 13, how old's Sydney? She's 10? Turning 11 in July. Yeah, yeah, and like Asha, Sawyer, close to Asha. Yeah, and, Sawyer is, and he's eight. Yeah, yeah. eight and a half. So what do, what do the kids do for chores? Um, they help around the house. So they usually have an inside chore and an outside chore uh, twice a day, at least. And so they'll have an inside small chore, clean the bathroom. Then we'll, when we go outside at 10 o'clock, we'll go muck out a pen or do some fencing or um, garden for a bit. Uh, just anything that has to get tackled where, you know, more hands is a lighter load and helpful and teaches them something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, they're always outside, which is rain or shine, winter, summer. It's It's good. Yeah, that's like an it. amazing upbringing uh, for any kid. And uh, I know I'm already going, okay, I think we need to add in a couple extra chores for our kids. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say they always do it happily, but, yeah. you know, they're they're learning. And yeah, I, I always so really yeah, commend them when they can do it with a cheerful spirit. So that's right. good. Yes. okay well let's talk a little bit about your Sawyer so Sawyer you and I were pregnant um, with our boys around the same time and um, when you were around 20 weeks you found out some some troubling news about Sawyer is is that right is it around 20 weeks yeah I was you know third time mom wasn't in a rush to do anything so took my time 
getting to my ultrasound and that's where they actually pick up many congenital heart defects, which is what he has uh, at that first um, ultrasound. And, and um, luckily for us, I mean, our, our physician knew we were people of faith and that we wanted to carry this child to term. So we were uh, asked if we'd like to go to BC Children's or Women's and we did. And that's where they, the team actually gave us a clear idea of what we already suspected because Sawyer is one of three kids in, in my side of the family that has this uh, very rare um, congenital heart defect. So we actually kind of had a bit of an inkling that we knew he had it, um, but it was confirmed there. And then from there, we could kind of... Uh, anticipate the unanticipatable things uh but at least we had some idea of what we were looking at and and so that that was yeah it felt like it was uh my whole pregnancy that I knew but it really wasn't um Mm. just it was good to know because everything changes right everything changes when you find out that your child isn't you know at, at a normal healthy level um, inside your womb and you, and you suddenly have to process everything coming up differently. What was that like for you emotionally when you first found out? It was a lot to process. And I think it's where the rubber hits the road and, and, you know, you can feel so confident in your faith, but it was a faith, uh, it was a test of faith and it really, um, made it so we had to live out truth in our life and we and we ha- we luckily had each other I can't imagine for those who are maybe don't have a strong partner I mean you you look around you and you begin to be like I was so undeserving of two children that were so healthy and mm. I guess it was wrong of me to anticipate what was I thinking there's so many things that could go wrong uh when a a little uh person is being formed and you know you you already love them you've already um pictured what they'd be like when they're you know riding their first bike and you and Mm -hmm. that's just how moms are right they anticipate all those things and so to back that up and be like we might not hold this child um, cause even for Sawyer getting through the pregnancy and the labor, uh, was going to be a, a bit of a risk. And so, mm. you know, it, it is, a it was hard because, uh, those emotions, you're already pregnant. So I feel like you're already at a heightened emotional uh, state. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, um, draining some days. I think we did the best to just immerse ourselves in life and, uh, and just, think about the things we could accomplish to get there and, uh, and pray a lot. We just mm-hmm. immediately just asked friends and family to just pray for this child. So Sawyer mm-hmm. was so covered in prayer from, yeah. I mean, the minute that we found out. Uh, and even today, I know people th- say, you know, how is Sawyer doing? And they still, they're still considering him. And he is, he's, he's just a, a miracle to to see and it's a joy to joy to be a part of do you think that having a nursing background as you mentioned um helped you to grasp a little better as opposed to a mom who doesn't have that background to the reality of what your family was facing do you feel like it gave you a little bit more confidence and knowledge did that help or was it 
do you think it was just as hard as if you didn't have that background? In some ways, it was more of a blessing than a curse, I think, because I um, I maybe took things a bit more matter of fact. Um, mm. At the same time, if there was something going on, I, I had already researched, because that's just how I work, what it could be. And maybe another parent wouldn't do that to the extent that I do. And so I'm, I grill my specialists, you know, when I'm at the bedside and there's lab work that doesn't look good. I'm like, could it be this, this, this? And they're like, mm. oh boy, you know, she's, <laughs> she's already anticipated the worst. And and that's just maybe right. what I want to be. I want to be uh, making sure that I can be the best advocate for Sawyer that I could be. Right. But so many times it has been it's been good. It has been helped mm-hmm. and, um, and been... It gives uh, us a sense of control to have knowledge, right? Like, you know, the phrase knowledge is power. I mean, I, I feel like it's a way that we cope with feeling out of control. But it is, yeah. a, it, I think it's still healthier than, than not pursuing that understanding and then just feeling like you just have no idea what's going on. So I think, yeah, I think- that is a really good thing. And I think what it also does is it helps me grasp that, wow, like the advances in in medical knowledge and and technique for these kids, like these surgeries, they're so Mm -hmm. intricate. And if anything, it's really helped me to appreciate that uh, so much could have gone wrong or, you know, like this is, it's just very much, it makes the miracle look even bigger in my mind when I, from a nursing perspective, can look at what's being done. And right. so it's been it's been a journey for sure. So let's go back because it's certainly not been easy. You guys have faced a lot of scary moments um, with the challenges that Sawyer faced at the beginning until now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, leading up the, the week leading up to his birth and delivery and then what that looked like. Yeah, so uh, we had uh, relocated to, we had actually chosen Edmonton over Vancouver because we had two choices. Being from northern BC, maybe it would have been expected that we would choose BC Children's, but we had family, as you know, in Edmonton, and that family support was really valuable because of our other two kids that we wanted to take with us because we had to be there a month before his due date. Mm-hmm. So we made the most of it, and uh, we tried to um, just make it um, not not shuffle their routine too much. Just make it a, a kind of a fun journey that maybe you you could. Uh, we went to lots of parks and uh, had a lot of fun with the other two. It was obviously had its challenges of being in a new city. Uh, I remember the week before Sawyer's burn, we just really tried to make sure we could get to the hospital, which was across town. <laughs> <laughs> and not get lost because that's just the last thing we needed so yeah, no all those little things when we were there it wasn't like we just sat around waiting for uh, the you know your water to break it was more like um we had a lot of fetal echocardiograms a lot of specialist appointments we were told we would deliver and if Sawyer wasn't well if he was if his uh, vessels were too small to sustain life um, and he needed the first surgery that he would be shipped uh, from the hospital we were at the Royal Alec and he would be taken to the stallery they didn't deliver babies I don't know if that's changed but 
at the stallery. So that's just the practice that they had. So there were, there was a team of doctors and we met with them at least four times, I think just to talk over, uh, how the birth would go and afterwards. So Mm. it was, it was, uh, you're all leading up to this moment, this exciting moment, which is exciting with any baby. Um, this one just came with a few other little tweaks, but I think, Yeah. yeah, overall, uh, just having that family support made all the difference, um, for us in those last few weeks before he was born. Hmm. So you, you went into labor naturally, right? I did a couple days after his due date. Yeah. They weren't going to let him go too far past his due date. So I was grateful that, that it, that it, um, could be natural. So he was born on the 14th and he was due on the 11th. So he was quite close. Mm Um, and, there, there were, uh, a team that came, um, and he was, uh, he turned pink right away, which, I mean, we were just watching so closely for his sats, right? That's his oxygen saturations to see what they would be. And he was saturating, um, in the high eighties, which was exactly where they wanted him to be. Was that what was expected? What did they tell you to expect? Amazingly, or was it really well, was it very vague or it actually wasn't vague. Our cardiologist was part of the reason we had chose Edmonton. She her Dr. Hornberger had been um just so well spoken of when we researched who which, where should we should go and so we felt in we were in really good hands when uh we were in Edmonton and she anticipated the outcomes exactly the way they played out. Wow. She said that Sawyer's vessels look like they would sustain life and that they, he would come out and sat, uh, you know, low 90s, high 80s, and that he would be able to grow and and skip having the first surgery, the Norwood, and then he could go in and have the Glen uh, months or even up to a year uh, after he was born, which is exactly wow. what happened. That's amazing. So, that's amazing. I just think what they can anticipate from the fetal echoes is truly awesome. It is yeah. really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, the syndrome that he has is called heterotaxy syndrome. Yeah. Can yeah. you explain a little bit about what that is and what kind of complications can come with that post-birth? So obviously it's congenital and it's somewhere a mix up of, of genetic code um, I, they don't exactly, according to our geneticist, they don't know exactly where it is um, because we were part of a test, me and my cousins who have a, a two girls uh, similar from different families, but the three uh, cousins that have, second cousins that have this, they've, we've all been part of a test and they still haven't got back to us to tell us where it is genetically, but it's, it's a heart defect that affects all the organs, not just the heart in the thoracic cavity, so in the chest area. And um, when when the children go in and have their ultrasound, it just looks like bad plumbing to their heart, really, is what it is. And every single child, from what I can gather, is slightly unique. So the size of the vessels, where the vessels are uh, rooted from the heart and the lungs, all of that can be a jumble um, 
which is, uh, I'm sure, a bit of a challenge for and, and a, a, a good challenge for the surgeons um, when they when they're thinking about doing surgery on these kids. But not only does it affect the um, the vessels to the heart, it affects the, the location of the other organs and whether they exist. So the spleen, uh, they can have multiple spleens or they can have no spleen. And in Sawyer's case, uh, the MRI that he had later on uh, before he was one revealed that he had no spleen, which means he was more susceptible to infection. Um, and just takes a medication and antibiotic every day for that. And then the other organs uh, can be affected. And in Sawyer's case, his stomach, um, it was sitting in a position where it was more likely to pinch off and rotate. And uh, that can be quite serious for any child. Uh, so we were told what to watch for. And, uh, and so, yeah, th- that's what the syndrome does. It, it affects all those organs. And sometimes it actually mirrors things funny. So it's all about the the mirroring mir, mirror image of the heart. So you actually can have okay. the ventricles. They can be the ventricles and the chambers in the heart can be different sizes for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did he have that? I can't remember. Did you mention yes. that? Yeah. Yes, he's got. Yeah, he has his heart is actually on the right side of his body. Right. Okay. So he says, I mean, he's got his heart in the right spot. And mm-hmm. yeah, he does. Everyone else is on the left and his is on the right. So he's got dextrocardia. <laughs> and that. he thinks that that is a fantastic claim to fame. So he he does, he does tells everybody, my heart is on the right side. You know, if they ask how, what's different with him. So Oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Well, okay, let's talk a bit about, because you guys went through a lot. Your little guy had a surgery. What was, well, how old was he when he had his first heart surgery? So we were watched closely. We were able to go home after uh, several days in ICU, uh, or the PICU, and NICU, sorry. And mm-hmm. we came home, um, and every five weeks from then, we would fly to Edmonton, and they watched him slowly go into heart failure, which was anticipated. It isn't always easy to watch your kid turn more and more purple in their lips, though. And mm-hmm. his sats, every time we'd go, would just drop and drop. And eventually mm-hmm. they put him on Lasix, which is a diuretic, just to help his body uh, be able to, uh, his heart, to lessen the, the workload on his heart. Mm-hmm. And he was already on some medications to do that. But that just allowed him to grow as big as possible. Because uh, when they're working on tiny, tiny newborns, uh, the vessels are so small. And so the risk of clotting and, and, and uh, kind of complications is greater. The, the bigger the kids can grow, uh, the, the better their outcomes. So the bigger we could get Sawyer without having him totally compromised, that was our goal. And so around, uh, I think it's eight and a half months, they said, he's now ready. He, we need to do his surgery, book his surgery. And so we did. And he had had M- and, uh, been sedated and had an MRI before that. And I think he might have even had a cardiac catheter, which is where they go through the, the vessel in their legs and really look closely at the pressures that are happening in the heart. So mm-hmm. he had his first surgery before he was a year. Yeah. And that's when he got his zipper. 
which every cardiac any child mm. parent that has a, a heart baby knows about the zipper where they go through the sternum and uh mm. and then it's wired cl- closed but from then on every time they access the heart uh, they'll often yeah. reopen his zipper so it opens and closes several times which it has and uh yeah, it's a so nice way of putting it, right? And, and he talks about it so freely. He The other day we were playing with some kids. He's like, can I show him my, my zipper? Yeah, okay. He <laughs> likes to show it just when he feels comfortable. That's but, really great though. That is really great that it's not something that makes him self-conscious. Yeah. I'm so that. grateful. Yeah. We thought maybe he would become and he hasn't yet. And so we just really try to encourage him that, that that's just the way God made you, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. You should... You should not be ashamed of that. And yeah. uh, and it helps him tell his story, which is mm. good for his age, for him to oh, be able to, yes. yeah. to tell kids. So, so you had a couple more surgeries after that. So how many in total has he had in his eight he's, years of life? He's actually only had two heart surgeries, which is amazing and uh, we're grateful for. And then he had one surgery uh, January, 2019, um, where he had his, um, he he actually did have that, that pinching off of his, uh, stomach that we, uh, anticipated could happen because when he was born, we asked them to do a swallow just because we were going to back to a home that was very rural. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know that if he started having aggressive, uh, you know, abdominal pain and vomiting, that mm-hmm. if we did have to watch for that, and they said we did. So unfortunately, close just, just before, at the beginning of December of that year, he or the year previous, he had had a severe uh, episode that they believed was him, his stomach pinching off. So then he had, mm-hmm. he had a, uh, you know, a fairly uh, invasive surgery to pin his, his uh, stomach so it wouldn't twist off. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty scary for you guys. I remember. I didn't like. I know. Out of all that happened, I was. I really didn't want to have that happen, Mm. only because his heart stuff they always said would happen gradually. So that was the one complication that I knew could happen suddenly, and I'm really grateful that it didn't stay pinched off, um, Mm. because obviously flying out in the winter from northern bc to children's just doesn't happen quickly so no i was grateful yeah wow so sawyer is eight years old he's going to be um turning nine this fall Mm. um just like um colby is Mm -hmm. um i want to just hear how he's doing now where are things kind of at for him and yeah how's he doing right now he's really good to look at him at a glance, uh, maybe not yesterday because he was he was a little cold and maybe a bit under the weather, and he was he was lips were definitely very purple. Um, but at a glance, most days uh, when doing normal kid activities like maybe uh, just uh, playing outside in the sandbox or going on the swing or biking around the yard, his energy level is adequate for all those those moderate or less strenuous activities and he does I I do instill like a quiet time in the afternoon because I find he doesn't power through to the end of the day like other kids do and that's been his reality for his whole life Um, and school was quite tiring for him because he didn't get that 
um, downtime. Uh, so being home uh, for the pandemic has actually allowed me to do that with him, which I think is is better for his moderation. But he loves school. He, I mean, and I'm not saying that's, but it's been a neat change for him. And I think he's coped really well because of it. Uh, but he's, he's doing well. He's uh, bright. He's funny. Uh, we just love, love him to pieces and, uh, and cherish every day, knowing that it is a gift. These kids didn't survive 20 years ago uh, or even less than that. They just couldn't do these surgeries and figure out how to make them work. There was, there was really not a solution for this kind of congenital heart defect. And so now right. the outcomes are so much better and the outlook and the, and the life expectancy. Obviously, we are not naive to the fact that there's complications that could be ahead of for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've even run into some right after his second surgery. But I mean, nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring for any of us, right? So That's right. we just, we just, yeah, cherish the time we do get together. And, uh, and he's, yeah, he makes us laugh a lot. He's quite mm. the quite the fun kid. Let's go back a tiny bit to when he was a bit younger, or even like when he was first born. What, as a mother, of course, we're the we're you know the greatest advocate for our kids, and we're we're mama lions, right? We will do anything to protect our kids and to care for them and do what mm-hmm. is necessary, especially in a time of vulnerability, which you know Sawyer w- was facing right off the bat. What were some of the things that you found the most challenging um, in those early first few years um, and just adjusting to this new normal of having a child with a condition like this? And what are some ways that you, um, what were some of your main concerns for him personally? Um, I think that... Oh. Even before, I would maybe my concern was always that we could treat him um, no differently than we did our other kids, so that he wouldn't become um, maybe spoiled or entitled. Mm-hmm. I didn't want him to uh, grow up thinking that uh, the things that were different for him, his heart, his you know, made him. Um, made him different in terms of like I didn't want there to be barriers to what he could do Mm -hmm. I've always encouraged him like sure you can do that even though I'm like okay (laughs) you know it's gonna give me a little bit of heart palpitations watching you do that because I you know want to guard you a bit more than my other kids but I'm I just I I always just wanted him to experience life uh with that kind of reckless abandon that all kids get to enjoy Mm. and I think that so we would take him on hikes we would um do a lot of the things that that we would have done with our kids we took him to una river before he even had his first heart surgery which is like a rural cabin we had to take him on a float plane and i told our pediatrician in town we're going to take him and he's like I know you're just that crazy. You're going to do it. And we did. And we had a great time. Um, And so I guess I always just wanted him to face these challenges and know that he could be brave and that we were going to be right there with him. Um, And obviously, like everyone is these days, 
we bathed ourselves in hand sanitizer too, right? Like we knew that for him to grow and have good outcomes meant that he wasn't always in the hospital because of his spleen. He was more susceptible to uh, a lot of things. Every time he got a fever, I was supposed to bring him to emergency and get his blood drawn, make sure that he was started on something right away if it was uh, concerning. Right. So there was those things were were our, our the way that we coped um, with him being a little uh, unique, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you admire about Sawyer? You've already kind of shared <laughs> quite a bit of that. His just uh, the way that he embraces his zipper and talks about these differences of his heart and stuff. Are there any other things that you'd love other people to know about Sawyer? You know, um, I, I've watched other kids, um, and and they're just fearless. They they go into situations, and it's just a kind of a kid thing to just jump in and think about things afterwards. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think Sawyer is, yes, he struggles with a bit of anxiety, just a touch because of what has gone on in his world, Mm -hmm. but he is a contemplator. He is a deep thinker. Um, He, um, he wants to know things, his, his hunger and thirst for, for understanding things and for, um, for putting the pieces together that he's, that he's learning is really intriguing to me. Uh, we watched a video. I wanted to share this cause it's so cute. It was, he was little, he was two, maybe just two and a half. And we watched a video that had about, I think, I think it's even called babies where it plays these babies from different countries and kind of oh, what right. they're doing and yeah. not a lot of words. Uh, but it was just intriguing for my littler kids to watch. And I, I smiled because they were super engaged. And then we had watched a little bit of it and he goes, do them all cry the same, right? And he was just asking me, do they all cry the same? And he wow. asks things like that all the time. Like for a little, little kid to ask that, I thought, wow, you're you're thinking about things. And yes. so we joke that some of his some of his fears are because he's thinking about all the things that that are around him that could go on that most kids are just totally oblivious to. So yeah, we, we love watching his sense of exploration because it's really fun to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. So you, you being a nurse, obviously, um, you know, you had to face a decision when this pandemic started. Uh, you faced choosing to, to work or not to work. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that decision yeah. was like and what you chose to do and what you're doing now? Well, I was grateful because some of the decisions that I wanted to do uh, when I first heard the pandemic like had was spreading and before things even shut down, I had messaged uh, our cardiologist and said, Sawyer's cardiologist and said, uh, what do you think? I, I want to protect Sawyer um, and I don't know how that's possible unless I homeschool him. Like what, what would, what's, what's, what are your other heart moms doing? Right. Cause I know I'm not the only one in this, uh, in this situation. In fact, there's people all, all around me who are very, uh, at risk right. and I just wanted the best for him. And, uh, and so I was willing to homeschool even before school was, were shut down. And as a nurse, um, uh, luckily my workplace was flexible and I could work from home. 
So, you know, there's some creativity that goes on and some, some decisions about where uh, maybe I could practice, where I would be less likely to bring anything home. And God has blessed us with those options. And so I've gone back to work uh, just a little bit, and I'll go back more once the kids are done school. Um, and it's good. It's, I, I guess I, I feel like I should be front lines with my coworkers. But at the same time, this is just the reality for our family. And yeah. so I'm still able to uh, practice, um, but not uh, maybe bring things home as easily, which is a real, a real blessing for, for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a hard decision to make. I, I, it makes total sense to me. Uh, so obviously we're kind of getting back into this place where things are kind of reopening and stuff, right? And um, people are slowly <laughs> trying to find a new normal a little bit. But there's so many people still wearing masks and there's still areas of the world where this is, you know, a really big problem. Do you think that we should still be kind of following um, a lot of the same protocols, or do you feel like it's healthier for us to be getting together with other people, you know, within, you know, certain restrictions? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I obviously think that the the mandates that are out there that that we're being told um, are there. Uh, they're based on. Uh, the research and the evidence and the and the moment-to-moment uh, situation that we're facing um, and so I I'm probably the the one who would be more aggressive <laughs> in, in, in many times right mm-hmm. then then so when they say like make your you can make your bubble bigger we didn't explode our bubble right <laughs> um, so I think we'll be until there is a vaccine and maybe even after, because just then there has to be um, an idea of what the uptake is and how how, the, how effective the vaccine has been. So I guess in reality, I I guess I want to say to I, that I believe there will be an end soon. But for me, this is just how life will be. Uh, just that we were already careful. Now we will just be more careful. And for anyone who knows what our family uh what a makeup of Sawyer situation and we get a lot of understanding and people are super respectful and so we would want to be the same for for other families so mm-hmm. it's um it's definitely a game changer for everything in life though yeah I oh yeah you guys you do you have us all the way 12 hours away you know like we were we were just recently went on an RV trip and we mm-hmm. Um, debated coming up and visiting all of you guys and and we just felt like I just felt in my heart that I didn't want to to do that yet I felt like we just need to give it a little bit more time for Sawyer and for other family members who are mm-hmm. who have weakened immune systems and uh, and it, it's important to just be respectful I think of, of everyone in our circles and you kind of have to just do what is important for your family, especially if it's, you know, if your family's really needing social time um, yeah. and you can make that work and not be putting someone else at risk. I think that's yeah. that's really huge for us at this point. 
But yeah. thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. It's um, it's always nice to hear what others are kind of where they're at in this because there's so many, such a wide range of, of opinions and, and emotions about it all. And so thanks just for your insight. What kind of encouragement um, would you offer a mother who is facing a similar life-threatening diagnosis, just like what you guys faced when you were 20 weeks pregnant with Sawyer? What kind of encouragement I, do you want to share with her? Oh, you know, I would, I would tell her that when Sawyer was born, I had been told everything that was wrong with him over and over again. And I don't know if mentally I was just picturing a child coming out who just wouldn't look like anything but, but the, the list of horrible things but when he came out, he was born, he was beautiful and he looked perfect and he had 10 fingers and 10 toes and he looks just like his dad. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I really encourage all of us because, um, yes, he, he required some intervention, uh, and we did anticipate that. Um, but life is so precious and um and he was fearfully and wonderfully made and that should just give us so much peace to know that that as moms we already feel like we're not in control right we're going to go into labor when we go into labor it's not like we have any control and uh, and so i just i feel like um it's just reassuring to know that yeah god is in control and that we can just rest in that peace. And I will never forget that moment where I realized how beautiful he looked and that I should have been anticipating uh, just stopping and cherishing that, that beauty of it. And um, so I want to just reassure parents who are going through this just to be reminded that um, there, there is such beauty in all life. And, and even if these parents, we were lucky enough to take him home, but many friends that we met in the hospital, um, aren't lucky enough to leave with their children. And there's a bit of guilt for you when you leave and, and you feel so grateful and it's all mixed into one emotion. Um, but just be kind to yourself and work through this, share your story and, and lean on other people around you because so many people want to embrace you and, uh, and walk on these journeys with you. And that was our experience completely. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. I know that's going to be really encouraging. I think every mother can just feel so quickly overwhelmed by any kind of hard diagnosis. You know, I've walked through it a few different times in different ways, and um, and you just don't really know how you're going to respond. And just even hearing one other mother's story um, and encouragement of any kind really can just allow you to feel more peace because you know you're not alone in in what you're walking through, mm-hmm. and that's. The whole purpose of this podcast is just to allow other mothers a place to feel encouraged um, in that way. And so thanks so much for joining me today, Jenna. It's been 
such a treat getting to talk with you again and to hear Sawyer's story again. And um, yeah, I'm going to ask you this little fun question um, that I often ask guests. And just to know you, just to get to know you a little bit more, if you had four hours all to mm-hmm. yourself and someone had already cleaned your whole house for you, what would you do? Well, thank you for having me. And I love your last question. Um, and mm-hmm. last time I think I said I would take a nap and then I would um, go skiing and or running um, and and so many of those other things. And, and I, I totally love doing those active things. I've also been um, having a lot of fun journaling these days and um, and a bit of reading. So... I think I might slow down a little bit um, and do that uh, as well as those those fun things. And um, maybe even John would come with me. He actually came on a run with me today. So Whoa. never know. I might have a running partner in the horizon here. So that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. And your kids are Very. at the age where you guys can kind of go do that. Get out a little bit more together on your own. So that's fun. Sounds it's great. Mostly us trying trying to engage them and get them outside right great. Um, but thank you thank you for having me and I, I must say I haven't shared Sawyer's story a lot so to be able to be on your program and talk about just what God has done in our life through him and continues to do is an amazing privilege so thank you again for for having me Hey, I really hope and pray this conversation has encouraged you greatly today, especially if you're a mother currently facing a similar diagnosis. I want to let you know that um, there's going to be a Knowing Motherhood Community Facebook group um, coming up really soon. It's in the works and it's set to launch in the next few weeks. And this will be a place for you to come and connect with other mothers who have or are walking through the hard things in motherhood um, that we can go through. And for those who are desiring a close walk with the Lord in the midst of it, my prayer is that it becomes a place of beautiful connection, encouragement, and growth. And if you'd like more info, head over to Instagram at Knowing Motherhood Podcast. You can also follow along um, on Facebook at Knowing Motherhood. As always, I'm praying, friend, that you are reminded each and every day to keep your eyes up and on Jesus. Ask him to do great things through your journey, as hard as that can be, whether you're currently on a smooth road or a rocky one. Your suffering is not unnoticed by him. Don't forget that. And your questions are safe with him, as are you, friend. I want to read to you a small paragraph from the book, A Place of Healing by Joni Erickson Tata. Um, If you don't know who she is, um, she, uh, as a teenager, went from being a fully active teenager to um, losing full mobility um, from her neck down, uh, full paralysis as at 17 years old, I believe she was 17, um, and she has walked through incredible suffering, um, but she does the most beautiful job of glorifying God in it all, um, even though her story has been anything 
but easy. Uh, this is what she writes. Jesus is the breath of life we reach for every moment of every day. Inhale his love no matter what your current situation or circumstances, and you can't help but exhale gratitude and gratefulness. This is something I can do even when I'm bound to my bed or trying to navigate my way through the narrow corridors of oppressive pain. I may not be able to do a lot of things when I am suffering intense pain, but I can still breathe in his presence and exhale my thanks. I can still breathe in his grace and forgiveness and exhale my gratitude and love. I can still inhale his kindness and moment by moment help. I can still exhale acknowledgement that he is with me. I find that beautifully encouraging and I hope you do too, that we have the ability to embrace God's presence, even in the midst of incredible suffering, and that we can see the fruit of that through the peace and the joy that it brings to us. So friend, again, I encourage you to just keep your eyes on Jesus and walk in his love today. Thanks so much for being here and I will see you back here again very soon.